0: Good afternoon, and thank you for listening to Camille's Demi Hour on 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station. This is a 30 minute show dedicated to sharing an inside perspective of the Epicurean world here on Nantucket Island. You'll hear from those voices who've helped create and represent this fascinating place. And lastly, we hope to educate on wine, healthy cooking and the agricultural and sustainable community here on island. Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for listening. This is 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station. And this is Camille's Demi Hour, where we speak to amazing people in the food and wine industry, both on Nantucket and those people who are visiting and traveling and are destined to be here. And today on the show, we are speaking with Joel Gamron. He is the host and creator of the show Scraps on the A&E Network, Chef Joel Gamron.
1: <laughs> Thanks, <you, Neil. laughs> Camille. Thrilled to be here.
0: So we've been wanting to get you on the show since we first connected. I think we met maybe just a was it just a year ago? And since then, you've launched your show Scraps, and you're into your second season. But before we talk about your show, let's talk about your background and how you started in culinary school and ended up not necessarily opening a restaurant, but actually uh, becoming a food educator.
1: Yeah, first of all, I think it was about a year ago that we met. That's- Really? It seems like long ago, but it wasn't that long ago.
2: That's
1: yeah. insane. And you know, when you just meet another food person and you like, geek out, I feel like we just like chatted for like three hours straight. And I didn't even know where the time went.
0: I know. And the thing is, now that we're actually having the interview, because I like, go, well, you have to be on my show. And now we made it happen. And I'm thrilled to help you out and, and to talk to you today and to hear more about what you're doing, especially in the Northeast. So yeah, so, so back to you in your career and your education. Let's talk about your beginnings in the culinary world.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up just loving to cook. My parents got divorced and food kind of stopped hitting the table. And um, I was super bummed out about that. So I started to cook as a way to kind of bring the family back together. I realized that food kind of had that power. It was super sticky and it attracted everyone. And then, you know, realized in in college, I went to actually University of Connecticut on a tennis scholarship. And so realized in college and really missed the kitchen. Every summer, I worked in restaurants, and restaurant work is
2: grueling
1: work. And it was really tough, but I really enjoyed it. And then I, I, I went to the CIA in California. Yeah. I'm originally from Seattle, Washington, and I, I wanted to get back to the West Coast. And day one, I was really excited because there was kind of this orientation. I met all these people that were like me. You know, these are other people who love food and love entertaining. And I, I guess I just didn't realize there was a ton of other people like that. And And then school started, and it was like... Military. So it was super structured, which is professional kitchens. You got to know your stuff. But I, I really was struggling with it. I just, food to me was creating, it was passionate, piece, and it, it just felt very sterile. And so when I went into restaurants and realized this is how it is, it just wasn't for me. I worked in a, a lot of great restaurants. Something was missing. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was that it felt so structured or it felt so military or there's a lot of yelling. It just, the, the romance of food and the reason why I got into food left. And I was super, super down and depressed. And I came home, I told my dad, you know, I I don't know if I'm, is cooking's right for me? I thought it was my growing up. I really thought it was. I just was thinking about getting out of it. I was really down. And he said, what do you really want to do? Like, forget everything else. What do you really want to do? And and I said, I want to make the kitchen the most approachable place for anyone. I I want it to be, I want to empower the world to cook. He's like, what have you done? What is one step you've taken towards that goal? And I said, nothing. <laughs> and the Parents, they just day, break it down, you oh, know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, they break it down. And the next day is when I found Sir Latav in teaching. And I haven't really looked back. It's my calling.
0: Well, it's fascinating that people who enter the CIA doesn't necessarily mean they all have to just become restaurant chefs. There's got to be other levels of profession that can emerge from having that training.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a bummer because if you talk to someone who goes to culinary school, specifically someone at the CIA, you, they'll all say the same thing. The class started with 40 people, it ended with 15, and out of those 15, like, three people still cook professionally. And it's a bummer because there's so many great food jobs. know, you're in an amazing food job. And, you know, like, it doesn't, just because you go to culinary school doesn't mean you have to be in the restaurant. There's, there's actually a book out there, I don't know who's the author, but... Thousand and One Food Jobs That Are Not in a Restaurant. It's a great book. highly recommend
0: it. That sounds cool. And so you talked about you wanted to empower people to cook at home. We met mutually through a great friend, Chef Aaron Goldstein, who (laughs) is a great home cook chef and the sense of trying to educate people to cook at home. And I understand his philosophy of why it's important, but it's really fascinating to speak about why it is important to educate people on how to take care of themselves and to feed themselves in a healthy way. So I'm sure you've spent a lot of time thinking about this, and it's your time to share it all.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I do. I mean, um, listen, obesity is at a place it's never been at before. It's the highest it's ever been. People are, uh, depression levels are the highest they've ever been. People forgot kind of how to, I think, and this is a big reason why I think it's so important to cook, how to enjoy time together, how to enjoy the fruit of life. And cooking, it enriches your life. It makes your life that much better. It salts your life. And that is what drives me. That's 100% what wakes me up every morning and why I think cooking is the bee's knees and everyone's got to get behind it. And so um, we all eat, and I think we should be eating very best that there is, and the very best that there is is at your own fingertips. So uh, I will believe this until until the end.
0: So you believe in sustainability, organic food, local movement—all those buzzwords that are really popular right now. I've been reading more about that label that says GMO verified, and it's like green and white. Yes,
1: the green light. Yeah, yeah.
0: That it doesn't mean anything, and that nothing can prove that it's not GMO. Have you heard anything about this and that you can't even prove yep. things are organic?
1: Just listened to a panel about it. I'm and, freaking
0: out. <laughs> you gotta yeah, tell me. I
1: just listened to a panel about it and it's total they said the same thing that it's complete yes.
0: So you pretty much just really have to trust going to the market, finding your farmers, right? How do you know anymore?
1: You don't. And that's the scary part is you don't. And even at farmers markets, like who's organic there, who's not who's not and, you know, oh, it's getting dicey. That organic word is just super a, a sales tactic and it's just it now is. means
0: nothing since whole foods even kind of started with their organic section every year you know i'm sure you've heard it like oh the organic keep asking for it because it's just growing i mean it's a billion dollar mm-hmm. industry and i'm like no one's regulating any of this i right. don't i don't understand how is this not happening because everyone's just making money and no one wants to say anything right <laughs> it's- But can you explain why you feel that that's important? What were those earliest memories where it sort of connected with you? I remember my first farm to table, quote unquote, experience was at Blue Hill in New York um, at Stone Barns outside of the city. And it was the first time without having traveled to, to Europe and really have that local experience. And then I realized that there was just so much flavor and I felt so good after the meal. And it was like a physical effect, um, and then I ended, and then I started really understanding how important it is, and then how it can affect the economy and help people. What was one of your first sort of sustainable, you know, farm to table moments?
1: Mm, that's a great question. I, in culinary school, needed a job, so I was in Napa Valley training at the CIA, and um, I called the San Francisco Farmers Market, which, if anyone has ever been on a Saturday to that market, Camille, I don't know if you've been, it is. Outrageous. This is the fairy building farmers market. This thing is out of control, and I needed a job. So I called them up and I said, Hey, you know, I'd love to come sell fruit or just get an extra job on the side. We've got these two hippies that smoke salmon, and they make really beautiful sandwiches out of their smoked salmon. Do you want to come work with them? And I'm like, Sure. So I I showed up, and um, her name is Sally Hebert and Captain Mike. They're married. And I actually filmed one of the episodes of my cooking show with, with them. You know, I spent the next two years at the farmer's market not just getting to know the produce, but getting to know the people. And when you start connecting the fact that there are real lives at stake, there are real people who care as much of making that piece of citrus or... That charter whatever you're eating they care so much about making that flavorful that's all you want to buy that's all you should care about you know it's these giant factory farms that just turn and burn ingredients to your point Camille they don't even taste a percentage as good as these local farmers so it was kind of the beginning for me that sustainability is not just the best for flavor it's the best for overall culture and supporting each other as a community so Big light bulb moment for me.
0: So you applied to Sur La Table, which is a fantastic retail shop, actually, but offers yeah. a lot of classes and demos in their space, both in New York. I think they have locations both on East and West Coast. Um, fantastic store. You're their chef. So can you tell me about the classes that you do there and then how the genesis of the idea for the Scraps TV show came to be?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, I started teaching at Sur La Table when my dad called me out and said, what are you doing to take a step forward? And that the next day is when I found Sur La Table. and besides being a great retail store, which is what we really used to kind of think of ourselves as, as like the, um, the warehouse for cooks, now we're really in a place where we're trying to kind of go on this mission of empowering people in the kitchen. And we have these great cooking schools, like you said. We've got 132 across the country. I've been here at Sur La Table for the past eight and a half years. Moved to New York, opened up our cooking school there, which was so much fun. Although New Yorkers don't cook, which I learned, but my goal is to get them to cook. Well, there's and, too many good um,
0: restaurants. It's so easy not to. But yes, that's, totally. that's another that's another issue.
1: Yeah, you're using the ovens for like you know storage of sweaters. It's like a different like <laughs> level, but. What's amazing about what Cirilla Top does is it's completely geared towards the home cook, which a lot of food education out there is not. Um, we have a lot of great places sprouting up that are fantastic, but what really separates Cirilla Top, I feel like, apart from a lot of them, is we're completely hands-on and we try and be as approachable as possible. So really making it relatable, letting you touch, smell, feel everything, so your senses are completely attuned um, the way they should be in the kitchen. So. I love teaching at Solitab. I love running the program here, and it's been an absolute blast. And it was in one of those classes, you know, we have our little trash bowls out. And I was looking at a team preparing, you know, their meal, and the trash bowl was overfilled, Camille. It was shrimp shells and cucumber seeds, and there were carrot peels and carrot tops, and all from the prep that we were doing in class. And if you've been to culinary school, if you're a chef uh, in a restaurant, you know, that stuff isn't trash. You need to cook that stuff to make profit. Nothing can really hit the bottom of the trash can because the profit margins in restaurants are so, so tough. And I realized there was just a big miss that home cooks were never showed the same thing. So that was kind of my moment where scraps evolved, and I realized uh, I can be the one that helps bring you know sustainable, uh, waste-less cooking to home kitchens
0: fantastic. If you're just listening, you are hearing the voice of Chef Joel Gamron. He is the the lead chef and instructor at Sur Tab, Table, uh, the retail shop nationally. And he's also the host and creator of Scraps on A&E. And we were just talking about how Scraps came to be and sort of the whole inspiration behind it. So what happened next? You came up with the idea to start a show and get Scraps around, around communities and make dinner?
2: Or... So here's what happened
0: next. What was the first
1: draft? i not going to shock you. <laughs> and I took it to TV stations, right? And I said, you know, hey, National Geographic. Hey, Good Network. Do you want to make a show about cooking garbage? <laughs> and you could imagine how that went. It did not go well. You know, I was an unproven talent. Um, I did a lot of Today Show and Good Morning America. But that, you know, not a ton of television television. It was a tough hell. And um, it was around that I met one of my best friends, Tim Whitney, who became the showrunner of the show, Uh, we took it to some more people, of course, got denied. And then something happened that turned the whole project around, which was uh, Katie Couric signed on as an executive producer. And that just opened up a world of possibilities.
0: Oh, that's great. You get one good person behind you and it can just launch the project.
1: it's unbelievable. It's, yeah, it's unbe- And Katie is so all about making the world a better place and how to help people live life to their fullest. And
0: So just to share more with the audience that you go to different areas in the country and you meet with chefs who support your cause and you talk about food waste and you create fun menus based on sort of what they've interpreted waste to be.
1: Totally. Yeah. It's trying to start a revolution. We wanted to go on a road trip. So I go with my nineteen. 19- VW van. her name is Pippi, because she's red and has freckles, like Pippi Longstocking. And she was a piece of trash herself, and we fixed her up, and we think she's kind of the symbol of the movement we're trying to create. Like you said, I meet up with a kind of a local food waste hero, whether it's a chef, a home cook, a radio host, you never know, Camille, and, you know, and we cook what the place represents. So, you know, we're looking at Boston for season two. We're super excited. And so what is Boston scraps? What's being thrown away there? Is it clam shells? Is it you know lobster shells? Is it what gets wasted in Boston? And then how can we turn that into an awesome feast?
0: Right. So, what are some of the food waste facts that maybe you've encountered since you've started the show that might be a little shocking to us, or things that we might oh. not even want to know?
1: Strap in for this one, because it's crazy. Um, I The Ad Council, they're, they're the point mean, out behind Smokey the Bear and Dare to Keep Kids Off Drugs. They're amazing. They've teamed up with us on Scrap's. So I am full of facts, and I'll tell you right now, an average family of four wastes about $1,500 a year in groceries. Think about this for a sec. Almost half our groceries, 42% of our groceries, gets thrown away. So, like, imagine going to the grocery store and just tossing away half your stuff in the garbage, because that's what happens. Oh, my God. It doesn't make sense. It's just crazy. One out of eight people are food insecure, meaning they don't, in the United States, meaning they don't know where their next meal is coming from. So we have... One out of eight people, which is a ton of people who don't know where their next meal is coming from and if they're even going to have a meal. And then we have half of our groceries Ugh. going into the trash can. I don't... It doesn't make it sense. Doesn't add up.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. I always feel bad when I throw food out. I, it makes yeah. it makes me cringe whether it was just leftovers that went too long.
1: The goal is, is can I give you strategies, Camille, or anyone else out there? Can I give you strategies where instead of hitting the trash... You can you know take a second and plan and get creative and come up with something amazing. You know, yeah. pause before you throw those leaf tops away and make just the most amazing leaf top crouton. Or pause before you throw those cherry pits away and make the, infuse them in your rum and make an amazing cherry pit cocktail. It mm. tastes like almonds. It's crazy. I know. And it just takes
0: thought so to think of it's creative. Like that? It takes creative thought to have that though. And you need to be kind of a chef somewhat to understand what to do with that stuff. That's the hardest thing, I think, is maybe that connect. Is that been a challenge?
1: Totally, and I think that's what the show is all about, and that's, you know, even this year at Sur La Table, we're having all these great food waste live events. To your point, Camille, home cooks were never empowered with this knowledge, and so don't feel bad that you're throwing things away. You don't know that they're even edible in a lot of the cases, mm-hmm. and so, uh, you know, don't feel bad until you've given the show a shot, tried a new scrappy recipe, and kind of join the movement, because until then, you just don't know what you don't know.
0: It's true. We actually uh, were fortunate to have Jacques Pepin on the show. And he was talking about when he grew up in Lyon working for his mom's restaurant and they didn't throw anything out. He goes, my father wouldn't even throw a crumb of bread out. And if he did, he would kiss it before it went in the garbage. (laughs) Before it went in the garbage. <laughs> I don't really know what that means. But um, it, it's really important. It's a waste of money at the end of the day, and, and obviously that food could go somewhere else.
1: I mean, I think that a lot of people don't care about sustainability. Like, if you want to be real, Camille, a lot of people out there just don't care, right? We live in a, in a world in a time where people don't care, but they do care about money. And, you know, if you can convince them that they're wasting money, which is absolutely true, that is the start. That's the light bulb that I see in a lot of people that um, that kind of gets them on board.
0: It's more tangible. It's hard because we all try to be sustainable in our own ways. And then the next thing we know, we're buying this (laughs) throwing that out and we're not even thinking about it because we're so used to it. But how do you find other like-minded chefs when you're doing your shows and trying to share that message? Are you discovering that more people actually think the way you do than you
1: thought? Absolutely. Just like you just said with Jacques, I've discovered that actually, you know, I'm learning more from people than I'm for sure, 100%. I grew up really fortunate. We always had food on the table. But then you talk to people who didn't, and they don't take food waste for granted. Shocked by how many people um, already cook like this, think like this. Not enough people, but it's a great start. And you know how I find it is I follow the food. I look at a city, where is the best food being cooked? And usually that leads to someone um, who's a food waste pioneer.
0: Interesting, because they're just more creative with maybe the menu and their their recipes and just being a little more frugal in in creative ways?
2: Yeah, I
1: mean, think about this, right? I mean, if you are making a chicken breast at home and you don't save the chicken bones to make a really beautiful chicken sauce, it's going to taste like a chicken breast. It's not going to taste very flavorful. But for someone who could put those bones to work and make that chicken breast taste incredible, there's talent there and the best chefs on earth Cook with their scraps. And so, if you follow the best chefs, find where the best food is at, you will find scraps weren't in the back of the kitchen always.
0: Yeah, I guess it's like extracting all the flavor in every possible way and form from that exactly. item. Exactly. So, what yep. are some of the most fun recipes you've discovered along your travels that maybe just come to mind? Give examples for the audience. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, one is brown avocados. I don't know, Camille, if you ever buy avocados, just forget about them. And they're just like bushy. Have you yes. ever been
0: there? I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that gets me really angry—it's when the seed falls out on its own, and I go, "Oh no!" Oh, I know, I know.
1: You just touch it, and you're like, you "And I don't think water. I can do
0: anything." What can I do with them? Tell me.
1: Okay, so instead of using butter and a lot of baking recipes, you can use avocado. And- We shot an amazing episode uh, with all these brown avocados, and we made brown avocado brownies. Um, You don't see the color of the avocado gets whipped into the batter. Dude, it was so unbelievably (laughs) moist, so rich, so decadent. I I will never eat a brownie without brown avocado
2: in it again. It was unbelievable.
1: (laughs) So that one was pretty shocking. I loved that one. Speaking of brown fruits, brown bananas, I always call it a gateway scrap. Mm -hmm. It's a scrap that we all have, but I think some people are are more open to using than even a brown avocado.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I love freezing them and then chopping frozen bananas into a food processor, add a little bit of water, turn it on, you will have the most amazing soft serve. And it's like soft serve ice cream. And it's healthy. It's unbelievable. Um, obviously, you can make banana bread and all that stuff in it, but it's really, really, really delicious like that. Because
0: the texture of bananas are so good when they're pureed. I mean, they make, smooth- yes. they make smoothies so good, and they just they, they enrich things.
1: <laughs> oh, it's, it's unbelievable. It's And then like other things, like stripped ears of corn, When you know, once you're done and you cut the corn off the cob, You can make the most amazing corn stock that can make chowders and polenta, and it's just... The world is your oyster when it comes to scraps cooking. It's a whole different way to kind of look at the kitchen.
0: Yeah. If it's not obvious enough to the people listening, you have an incredible energy and spirit about you. And maybe you're not meant to be behind the line in a restaurant and you're supposed to be out there educating people. And do you feel that your personality really has found its place connecting with people in this way?
1: Yeah, I do. Thank you for asking that, Camille. I do. I feel super fulfilled. This is where I belong, connecting people, inspiring people. I think ultimately my goal is to just get you excited about food. That's what I'm good at, is getting people excited about something. That's what I've learned I'm good at. And so um, it's taken a long time. I wish I could say I mastered it, not even close. I've got a ton to go, and I take it as a craft. Just like people go into the kitchen and they hone their knife skills. I hone my verbal skills. I hone my social skills. That's the way I look at myself is I'm a motivational chef. I definitely feel like I found kind of my calling.
0: A motivational chef. That's awesome. I like that. <laughs> I was going to ask what your next mission is, but you're still growing in this role and there aren't many motivational chefs out there. So, But I did think about maybe politics, food regulation. Are you even interested in anything like that maybe at the next more serious level?
1: Yeah, I've thought a lot about it, actually. I'm friends with a senator here in Washington State, and we've talked about it briefly. And I don't know a lot about that world. And so it's intimidating to me. At the same time, there's a lot of things, whether it's past due dates, labeling, ingredients, that are just not right in our grocery stores. Mm -hmm. And I would love to kind of dig in deeper, learn more, and try and bring it forward. But I'm just scratching the surface. I'd say next for me is to focus on everyday people because if we go into a grocery store and demand that our broccoli stems are longer or demand that our carrots come with their tops or demand that chicken bones are in the fridge with the chicken, (laughs) they'll carry it. It's not like it's against the law. It's not like it's a policy or, to me, the low-hanging fruit, so to speak, is not uh, politics. It's us. It's home cooks who kind of hold the keys to unlocking the food waste revolution.
0: Grab those keys, folks. Let's do do it. Let's do it. Joel, thanks so much for being on the show. It's been so fun talking to you. Good luck in Boston, and let us know if you are on the island soon. We'd love to have you here and meet some of the chefs here.
1: I will take you up on that, Camille. You know I will. And thank you so much for having me on. I'm a big fan.
0: Thanks. Take care. Thank you, everyone, again, for listening to Camille's Demi Hour. This is our final show of the season. However, we will be back next year for our fifth season. In the meantime, you can find all my shows and past shows now on iTunes. Just search Camille's Demi Hour. I also want to thank everyone who was a guest on the show this year. I just love doing this show and meeting so many great people in this awesome world of food and wine. I can't wait for next year. Thanks again to all my listeners and cheers till 2019.